Who's dying up there, Mr. Wick? Up there, you're not dying. You're dead. Well, it's time to take it to the limit, the vertical limit. It's the N to Z of film. I'm your host, Andy James. And I'm Rajiv, your co-host. Let's get going. This is the N to Z of film. With Andy and Rajiv. And we're back. If you hadn't guessed, today we're talking about vertical limit. <laughs> is it the vertical limit? Well, just vertical limit. Not Possibly the know. vertical limit. Either way, vert- we are taking it there. We're <laughs> taking just- it to... The vertical the, limit. The, the limit that limit. is vertical, not horizontal, I didn't finish that not for diagonal. You. I couldn't do that. I couldn't finish for you. Okay, so here's the synopsis, uh, people listen. Um, <clears throat> a hydrant little tale of a young climber, Peter Garrett, played by Chris O'Donnell, who must launch a treacherous and extraordinary rescue effort up K2, the world's second highest peak, uh, confronting both his own limitations and the awesome power of nature's uncontrollable elements. <clears throat> Peter risks his life to save his sister, Annie, they, they forgot to mention the Nitro, uh, and her summit in the in a race against time. The Nitro is uh, kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the team is trapped in an ice grave at 26,000 feet, a death zone above the vertical limit of endurance, where the human body cannot survive for long. Every second counts as Peter enlists the help of a crew of fellow climbers, including eccentric, reclusive mountain man Montgomery Wick, to ascend the chilling might of the world's most feared peak to save her. <clears throat> Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so this fucking film. <laughs> I um I haven't seen this film since I think we we got it out on video and watched it. I I was sneaking suspicion I saw it in a cinema to be honest, but yeah. Uh, I just remember sitting around with a whole bunch of our mates watching this. Did we like it? Uh, in that it was an enjoyable piece of trash. <laughs> yeah. I just a, remember a, I distinctly remember sitting around saying that's going to explode. Everything that could go wrong is going to go wrong, and then it yeah, subsequently so, did. So they don't. They make no note of the in that synopsis of the nitroglycerine. So this is this film is um, I've read apparently a, a, a loosely made remake of Wages of Fear, which is a film I like, and we watched it at the film uh, society. Very loosely. Which I'm not. I don't think you like that film very much, but I I love the Wages of Fear. I think it's a fantastic movie because it's about. The psychology of these guys as they cut around nitroglycerine, as, whereas this film is not about the psychology of anything, no. as far as um, I can tell. No, I, uh, <laughs> the only thing I didn't really like about The Wages of Fear was the end. Um, oh, I love the end. The, how nihilistic it was. Oh, just that the the one, spoilers, I guess, for a really old film, um, the one guy makes it through and then he's driving back and he's driving like a complete asshole. Oh right, yeah, and then dies. Like, well, okay, well, well, away from that amazing uh, Frenchie film uh, into this ridiculous film. <laughs> um, so uh, they do; they take nitroglycerin up up this mountain well, to bef- save bef- his sister. Before right? we get there, let's okay. let's talk about the opening. Let's talk about oh my god, what the hell? Amazing CG <laughs> eagle, <laughs> eagle. <laughs> and when we say amazing, listeners, we mean terrible. Still Holy better than Birdemic. Shit. But yeah, but Birdemic was like not a twenty. What is really, this? A seventy-five million dollar film? <laughs> really not good. Well, yes, but it was also two thousand, and it's such a two thousand era film as well. Bloody hell! Yeah, but you're talking about. I mean, we st- we had CGI animals by two thousand. We've had Jumanji. You know, we've had. It's just, I don't know what is going on with that eagle. Why do they didn't just? I mean, it's it's that old problem where they've gone down that Why path and they can't turn back. Real eagle. 
Yeah, why can't you just use... I mean, they had stock footage of avalanches in the film. Why couldn't they have stock footage of a real eagle? Very just obvious cut? stock footage as well. Yeah, but wh- why Why not? Like, you know, we'd go, we'd just accept that. And then like, and then we cut to Chris O'Donnell because he's a nature photographer with his camera out. We can do that. We don't have to... Because we don't even track that CG eagle into his face or anything. Like, it's just a throwaway shot. <laughs> it just well, you, goes to... They the, follow it until you come to Chris O'Donnell and... Um, his sister Robin Tunney on the side of the yeah, that but, mesa, but, I, but but it's, but it's yeah. in a wild it's in a wide shot. It's a, it's a weird it's a weird choice. I mean the film oh, the man. film is full of uh, bad comping. Like you know like uh, we're, we're doing this film because it relates to New Zealand uh, in a sort of weird tangential way. I mean the movie was entirely filmed in New Zealand and Pakistan and Utah, and I imagine it it doesn't say anywhere online, but I imagine there's a shitload of studio filming. I imagine in New Zealand, but. Because, you know, the, the big deal is, oh, we went up the mountain. We use Mount Cook, New Zealand's tallest mountain, as the background, as, as K2 and stuff. But so much of this film is just bad comping and clearly green screen stuff. Yeah, and I was wondering. Well, I mean, I was wondering about that. <laughs> I mean, is, is how much of that was bad comping and how much of it was just, well, it's 2000. So it's that sort of, it's not as good as we're now used to. Maybe. I, I'd have to go back and look at things. But, I mean, there, there is, there's comping in, in films by Spielberg and stuff that's not that bad. I, mean, I just I just couldn't get the constant bad comping. I mean, there's probably good there's probably good comping in there as well, but it's just all over the show, and I'm like, what is going uh, on I just kind of went with it after a while, actually. Um, <laughs> okay. Yes, so on the climbing, and then their dad, who is climbing ahead of them, falls because two dummies drag him down with them and so he, he has Chris O'Donnell cut the line so um, yeah, a, him and, and his a, sister can survive and a close up of Chris O'Donnell's face as he's making that decision where he's looking down the barrel of the camera that seemed like a shot from an SNL skit <laughs> I, I love that shot I was just like this shot is hilarious and he's like hyperventilating um, I, in research for this film I did go and read a few blogs about uh, about this movie and is and clearly as you'd be able to tell immediately uh this film is really hated by mountain climbers a lot i was wondering that i was really (laughs) wondering that that opening scene because i don't know anything about mountain mountain climbing i don't know jack shit about it but i did think man those those carabiners and shit are just flying out of the wall and people are plummeting to their deaths and like people are like a lot of people online like yeah this is this show's None I love of this that works. there are mountaineering um, film reviewers out there. I hope they review all mountain-based films. Oh yeah, this this one guy was like he was talking about Cliffhanger and uh, and uh, I mean this film and and that other one about the uh, other mountain uh, film. Yeah, yeah, it, but the German one. Um, but yeah, like apparently the way that the equipment is described and shown in the opening of this film, where you know there's great tragedy, uh, is not the way that mountain climbing equipment works. At all, so. Oh dear. Well, at least they're <laughs> failing right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that uh, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the the dad is played by um, oh, bugger, I've forgotten the name of the actor, but he he's a guy that's worked with Martin Campbell in like three or four other films. He was in the Legend of Zorro, and he was in um, uh, No Escape, which is a great film. So so I just want to talk briefly about Martin Campbell, who is a New Zealander. New Zealand's cool. own. New Zealand's own Martin Campbell. He he left um, quite early on and went off to England and made a lot of um, BBC and uh, British television shows, things like uh, the Edge of Darkness uh, miniseries that Mel Gibson made a remake of, which Martin Campbell directed, which is weird. Um, did he? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, that. he did. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, R- R- Riley Ace of Spy, starring Sam Neill's own New Zealand uh, New Zealand own <laughs> Sam Neill, um, 
and uh, the amazing uh, The Professionals, which is one of my favorite British old cop TV shows. And then, of course, uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, and, well. and and so he never also made it film. With, he made um, Isabella. Yeah, so Isabella Skorupko. Skorupko. Um, but he he just as an interesting, he never made a film in New Zealand. Like this is the first time he came back to New Zealand. And he made kind of a turd. But... I thought it was. Yeah, I didn't really <laughs> do any sort of research on that. But uh, yeah, it feels like he's sort of done a couple of um, things based in New Zealand since. Has he? But, what, well, what did he do? There was some of the Zorro sequel done here. Oh, that's true. Some of the Zorro sequel was done here. That's true. I'm trying to think of anything else. Taika Waititi well, was in Green Lantern. Uh, what about Tom Timo Morrison was in the Green Lantern? So, oh, and Timuera Morrison, the great Timuera Morrison. Yeah, New Zealand's so, own Timuera Morrison playing a... I'm going to say Timuera Morrison again. Because um, <laughs> I'm taking it to the limit. Jeez, he's, um, the he's vertical in, limit. But, but I just want to mention... I love that, that he's playing a Pakistani pilot. He's not playing a Pakistani. He's playing a Maori. He's playing Timuera Morrison <laughs> as a Pakistani pilot. But I just want to mention that Martin Campbell is like the director of Goldeneye, which is perhaps the best Pierce Brosnan James Bond, and I love it. That is film. The it best. was, a, and it is, yeah. and it was a reawakening for Bond, right? Like he was mm-hmm. kind of Timothy Dalton's one. No one, no one saw them, so it was like, a, and it was a massive hit. And then he made Mask of Zorro, which we all thought was good, good fun, and I, I liked it. And then it was The Vertical Limit, which is not that great. And Legend of Zorro and Beyond Borders, Casino Royale, which is another the, the, another reimagining. So they, mm-hmm. they get this Martin Campbell come in to reimagine and um, James Bond. He's the Bond guy, but, apparently. Yeah, but his films are so hit and miss because like so, some of these films, I'm like, these are great films and I love them. And then there's Vertical Limit. <laughs> so I think he's just the guy that works really well within the studio system. Not really well, like works within the system and gets given stuff and can make gold if it's gold. And if it's not so good, it's Which hard is, to I mean, and that's, uh, as Liam Neeson would say, a very particular set of skills. Um, and yeah. that's fine. And that's fine for what they are. Just, yes, Vertical Limit is not... Oh, it's interesting thinking about Vertical Limit. So this came out in 2000. So this was... Must have been shooting around the same time as that other fabulously, sometimes mountain-based New Zealand um, film, The Lord of the Rings. I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, yeah. what? the New Zealand-based mountain film? Okay. Right, yeah, it would have been. I mean, Lord of the Rings was three years before they released the first one. So, yeah, they started filming they were in like, 1997. So, um, yeah. so it's, and uh, you had sort of Mission Impossible 2 coming around, coming out sort of around this time. So there's, there's more mountain, free mountain climbing. That's right. That, in Utah at the start. Yeah. A, the, same, the same area, actually. Yeah, so he's a he's an interesting interesting filmmaker. I just also mentioned that the writers uh, is probably the problem. One of the writers was uh, Robert K- Robert King, who was responsible for uh, Cutthroat Island. Uh, but the other one is uh, Terry Hayes, who apparently wrote the screenplays for Mad Max two and three. So it's a weird mix mix of a uh, of people involved in behind the scenes stuff. Well, it's also a weird mix of people um, in front of the camera because you got Chris O'Donnell, um, late nineties. 2000 leading man I guess who's yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. fine enough you've got Scott Glenn who's Amazing. as old as he's ever been I don't think that man's ever been young um, <laughs> he's amazing and then you've got people who is filled with like hey that guy hey yeah, that ben, guy Ben, ben Mendelsohn who, who's now specialises in creepy dangerous dudes now but obviously at some point in the past was like funny Australian guy which is, and he's great. He's hilarious. He is great. 
Um, him and his him and his brother, the guy played by Steve Lamarcon, Cyril and Malcolm are fantastic in this film. They're my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, they are absolutely the best. Um, and then you've got um, Isabella Skropko, is also in the fantastic Reign of Fire. Um, she was, yeah. And yeah, it's a great Golden film. Eye. Golden and Golden Eye. She was great, she was great in Golden Eye. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the guy who's now Longmire. Shout out to the Longmire listeners. That's what right, word. Robert Taylor. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, who's super Australian in this. And got, super masculine. I love his character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Timuera Morrison. You've got um, oh, Alexander... Uh, no, uh, Alexander Siddick. Siddick? Yes. Siddick, yeah. The guy who, you know, Prince of... Prince Martel on Game of Thrones. That's true. I was going to say he was on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> um, but also yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince Martel. So it's... Um, oh, man, but jeez. And he was, he was born in... Um, in Sadat? So, somewhere in the Middle East. I was just going to make note of the um, the brown face in this, but we'll talk about that in a minute. If you want to keep going about the cast, is there... No, well, that's, that, was pretty much, that was pretty much it. But yeah, it's... Um, you've got Tim, a Maori guy... <laughs> supposedly playing a Pakistani guy. Like, I'm an Indian, and uh, his... Uh, in, in, in Pakistan, they speak Urdu, which is kind of like Hindi, and uh, that's kind of like the language that my family speaks. And his pronunciation is awful. It's really bad. It's terrible. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering how that would... Um, yeah, no. <laughs> he And, like, I, I just said, oh, he's playing a Maori. Like, he's... There was a small like I I think Tim is great and I just I guess this is just one of those sorts of films where they're not they're not worrying too much about this sort of shit. So he wasn't really doing an accent and maybe he tried and it was embarrassing so they were like it's probably a safe it's probably safer just to go with he who's kind of ended up doing slightly Britishy because I guess that's what educated folk in India sound like. But there was like a slight did attempt. He did he even? There was a go slight a attempt Britishy? where he said he said he kept saying vidi instead of very vidi vidi good vidi vidi good and I was like well that's. That's something, I guess. I feel like it, I've heard uh, or read an interview with Tim where he has said, you know, he didn't try so much early on in his career to, you know, change his accent or anything. You know, people like Arnie never did. Um, and I think it really, it's weird. But to to be honest, I'm kind of I'm kind of like, well, the casting people like this, the look of this guy, and he came in and in, in audition for something. And and I'm kind of okay if they don't do an exit because sometimes if they attempt an exit, it just becomes a cartoon. Like I'd rather Get the person a bit, gets a bit racist. Yeah, I'd rather the person be of the ethnicity that he's supposed to be playing. And if he isn't, then it's okay. Like I, I worked on a, I worked in a film uh, um, based on the White Mouse here in Wellington, um, and uh, it was about it was about fr- a French Resistance. Nancy Wake was a New Zealander in the French Resistance. Uh, and, you know, everyone in the film was supposed to be French. Uh, and a lot of them were doing a French accent, not very well. I mean, hopefully no they one listened to this. They were talking like this. <laughs> some of them. Some sort of them were thing. great. But there was oh, an actor, uh, John Bates, who was supposed to be, like, the father. And he was of the of the, of the boyfriend. And he just didn't. He just did a British accent, and I was and I was like massive respect because I'm just like you know, if they're French, they're going to be speaking French. They were already speaking English, so there's there's always a weird there's always it a is weird a weird thing. It's like um, <laughs> when you have World War Two films and all the Nazis are played by <laughs> British guys. Yeah, but would it be worse if they were trying to do an English and a German accent? Or well, you've <laughs> got uh, Sean Connery in Hunt for Red October. <laughs> it's weird, uh, yeah. and this film like packs it in. So they've got a Maori guy playing a Pakistani guy. They've got uh, 
born in Sudan. I'm not sure where he was. Was he uh, Alexander? Was he raised there or? No, I think he's raised in England. But he, but he, I mean, you can tell he's he playing looks, like he a, looks Middle um, Easterny, so that's fine. Is he also playing a Pakistani? They sort of never really. Well, his name is Kareem, so Kareem. he's playing something. He could be a Middle Easterner. Who knows? But his brother Ali uh, is clearly not a, is a Maori guy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like... Oh yeah. And then um, <laughs> Isabella Skrupko, who's Eastern European, I believe, is playing a French Canadian. That's right. She is. She's playing a French Canadian. It's it's weird. Uh, look, um, it's kind what, of all I'm... over the show. Yeah, but white people playing white people is fine to me. Like, at least I'm they've sure, got at least sure, they've got two Australians actually. Sure, two Australians. Sure, sure Connery playing a playing a Spaniard slash Egyptian is fine. Um, uh, but the but the brown face is just is just weird. I mean Tim Morrison at least he's brown, but but like you know the 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 other cast of characters is Augie Davis, who's the guy that gets his leg broken at the start. Chris oh. is amazing. Like you know he's a. Uh, uh, Chris Donald's a nature photographer, and they're taking photos of snow leopards, and then they're, they're leaving to go to to help help some out. And then he yeah, and then he falls. Oh, he turns back to look at the camera. It's really weird, and I'm not quite sure what he's looking at. And then he he has this massive. Oh, it's basically fall. like a turnaround to say I'm a massive idiot who doesn't <laughs> look at where he's going. Oops, I didn't look where I was going, and now I'm falling, and I've smashed my leg up. But he falls over like he 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 rolls over like three times and then wedges his leg in between a crack of the rock and cracks. Because him. everything that could go wrong in this film will go wrong. And it's so good. And that and that's like the that's the inciting incident to have Chris O'Donnell uh, be picked up in a helicopter by the Pakistani military, which is piloted by Tim Morrison, so that his his friend can get medical attention, and takes him up the mountain. To closer to the summit of K2 as far as I can tell, in order to get his friend medical attention. I'm None not this sure. Film makes any sense. I don't know, it's, yeah, <laughs> and then oh, we bloody forgot. Um, Bill Paxton. Yeah, I was going to get to him. Uh, Bill Paxton and Robin Tunney. Um, Robin Tunney playing the sister of Chris Oz's character uh, are stuck in the in a cave with uh, Nicholas Lear's. Um, what is he? The mountain. The mountain expert with him. Uh, so he's like he's like oh wait so so okay let's back it up a bit shall we so we got Bill Paxton who's a Texas billionaire billionaire guy who wants to get to the summit of K two and he's got some new airplane he's like a Richard Branson stand in almost but more evil more evil he wants yeah. to get to the top of the mountain so he can wave at his plane going overhead which is also once they get into the crevice and sort of never mentioned again which is whatever um but so there's the there's the guide there's the you know the man who's leading the expedition bill paxton robin tunney and then two other random guys who i don't know that we ever actually see their faces but who no, are just wiped guys. out in the avalanche one of them is not random one of them is ali <laughs> oh yes that's right kareem's, yes. bro- kareem's brother kareem goes up <laughs> yeah 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 um apparently and i can't i can't quite figure this out but ali the character of ali that's kareem uh, alexander Siddiq goes up his brother in the credits, there's a character called Ali that is played by Alistair Browning. Now, I don't know whether it's because I, I, I freeze framed on this to make sure it was him. I'm only mentioning this because Alistair Browning was the Dutch soldier in Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. He was the guy at the very beginning. Huh. And I was like, I don't think that's that guy. So I don't quite understand what that is. If it, it is, be, if he is Ali, he's an heavy, brown heavy brown face. Like that's heavy brown face. Terrible. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure, but. 
but yeah, so he, so Ali and some other random dude that gets wiped out by an avalanche, and then those three get stuck in a in a cabin, which is why they have to go up with the nitroglycerin. With nitroglycerin, <laughs> which the Pakistani army has apparently been taking very poor care of. Well, the Pakistanis are clearly just not good soldiers. They just don't know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my takeaway from the film. Pakistani military are shit at their jobs. Oh, but it does It does lead, uh, when they go to pick up the nitro, um, it's just leaking all over the bloody floor, it does lead to the tensest shoe unlacing ever amazing. put to film. Skip Taylor, the amazing Skip Taylor from, uh, I mean, Robert Taylor, who plays the character called Skip Taylor, uh, has his, his shoe is covered in nitro, and Tim Morrison's <laughs> character has to <laughs> carefully <laughs> unlace his <laughs> shoe. <laughs> And then throws it and it explodes. And all I thought was like, holy crap, that's an actual shoe bomb. Yeah, shoe bomb, yeah. And I I like, I love that that Robert Taylor gets to sit down outside the bunker and he looks real. That shot holds for a really long time. He's all like, oh shit. That was great. I was was thinking, he's probably thinking, (laughs) that was a close call. Man. I really miss that shoe. It's really fucking cold up here. Yeah, I've got. No, I'm gonna have frostbite. That's another thing. All the mountaineers are like. No one in the film is wearing enough layers of clothing to be up gay to. <laughs> so, yeah, and they're not. I mean, Chris O'Donnell walks into that that military bunker with his shirt unbuttoned. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck? He's Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Robert Taylor, um, I'm not sure when this is going to go to air, but I'm 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 a fan of the series Logmire, which he's the star of. He's he's the character of Walt Logmire, and. Um, I've had a lot of a lot of retweets and stuff <laughs> stuff I've been tweeting about. So if there are any Logmire fans out there, thanks for that. What? And, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, how's it going, Logmire guys? Um, but yeah, I, I I do want to make mention of Robert Taylor because I think he's really masculine. I really like his character, and he sort of he sort of leads the charge to go up the mountain, like with Chris O'Donnell. And they have this amazing scene where they're like, "We need six and they they go to get volunteers, and then they only get five. And then later on, they're talking about who's going to be the sixth. And Chris O'Donnell's like, "I need I need um, Scott Glenn's character." And then Skip Woods is like, "Yeah, crazy." And they sort of grin about it, like, "Yeah, he's crazy." We'll get him to go at the mountain with us. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. What's with this weird, this strange masculine gritty scene? Like, you're going to save your sister, right? Like, that's the main, surely this is a serious moment. That and, was really. Oh, man. So just just going to with the sister, right? I okay. feel like, oh, man, there's just so many kind of missed opportunity sort of things with with stuff here. Like, I feel like it would make more sense for her to be the one going up the mountain to rescue her brother her brother who let their dad die basically yeah but that would be a better film than the one we're watching yeah <laughs> it would <laughs> so they should have done no, that I thought, I thought the exact same thing I did think that um, I also uh, his relationship with his sister is weird like it's the it's scenes they like have together it's a weird love story it's really strange because yeah. then at the at the very end I mean spoilers everyone they save his sister um after he, the death he, of pretty much everyone else. Everyone, everyone else. Yeah. He kisses he kisses Isabella Skorupko's character, right? Yeah. And I was so confused. Wasn't she with Robert Taylor's character? Like did, was there any sexual tension between them at all? Um when he, he resets he, her broken finger, he hugs her? Yeah. And then at the very beginning no, where he walks wasn't. into their tent and she's all like like ranting at Robert Taylor and then they share a weird awkward moment and I'm like I never I never read that as 
uh, romantic in any way, but apparently the end of the film says that I'm wrong and that they have a romance and they well, kiss. Rajiv, she's... Look, Chris O'Donnell is the hero character and Isabel Skoropko's character is the only other female aside from his sister around, so they have to have a romance. Okay, so I just want to get because your take. Did you, did you feel it? it? Did you feel no. their romance? Okay. No. I honestly thought it would be a lot better as well if Chris O'Donnell's character was gay. <laughs> With Skip Woods, is that right? Um, yeah. Maybe Skip Woods, but there's... I just think it would have, you know, made for a better film. <laughs> made for a more interesting film. No, I just want to make, make mention of that weird kiss because he has that kiss in front of his sister and then he goes over to his sister and his sister sings lyrics from a Bee Gees song about one true love. And I'm just like... Well, that calls back really... to the start of the film when they were singing songs at one another. I know, I know. They were singing songs at one another and guessing there was the weird game they did. But the, the lyrics were all about one woman for me. And I'm like, is she jealous? Of him kissing another girl? Like, what's going Maybe. on? Maybe. Yeah, there's some <laughs> weird stuff going on there. That was a really weird choice. I don't understand <sighs> that. So, so this this is quite good. So people listening are probably thinking, if they haven't seen the movie, they're going, what the fuck are they talking about? Because this film has a completely and utterly weirdly split narrative. As to Chris, Chris O'Donnell is presented at the start as our lead. But as the film progresses, I don't feel like he's the lead anymore at all. I feel like there's... A bunch of different stories going on and the kind of the Better most interesting stories, one frankly yeah the most interesting one is scott glenn's one and i guess maybe if the filmmakers are listening they're going yeah that's what we intended we intended to be three different interesting stories but i would argue that none of those stories are given any sort of real satisfying conclusion at all no <laughs> no <laughs> but how great was that explosion that just disintegrated ben mendelson and alexander Siddick? It's true, there were there were red smears on the screen. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. I had to stop the <laughs> stop the movie and go back and watch that again. It was brilliant. I yeah. couldn't believe it. That was amazing. So Ben Ben Mendelssohn and Alexander Siddick have this thing where where Siddick is doing his his um, Islamic prayers for the day. You know, they pray five times a day. Um, and he has like a weird thing with him like are oh, you all your religious folk are the same blah 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 do I believe in hell blah 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 blah. and you know I thought it was going to be like a moment like I mean I've seen this film before so I was fooled but I really thought like in Three Kings where um, what's his face Spike Jones's character is having that weird thing and then he ends up wanting to be buried like like Muslims are like he, had his, he has a weird spiritual awakening oh yeah and yeah. I thought, and I, and I thought, oh, something like Ben Mendelsohn and Alexander Siddick are going to have this brotherly love moment, and they don't really. Well, they do. Like they the share. They share a bit of a laugh just before they. <laughs> yeah, just before, before they, they become, become red smears. <laughs> I mean, they have this one moment because 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 Ben Mendelsohn's brother dies in the first <laughs> nitro explosion, um, and so he That's cries, like, and then yeah, Alexander Siddick's all like, "Your first kill is one of the comic relief characters." Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, none of these things were like the the, the three different. They're going to follow three different paths up the mountain. Amount to anything at all, except for the fact that they were used for explosions. I'm guessing that's the point of the film, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a killjoy. But it wasn't. It wasn't exciting, you know. Like, it didn't. I didn't feel any tension. No, like, um, when they're all going up the mountain, the. Uh, to, to start the rescue and Tim takes them up as far as he can in, in his chopper and they're all sort of jumping off the chopper and it's bucking about because it's getting windy um, and so they're all kind of trying to get onto the ledge before it, I don't know, crashes and explodes with nitro and stuff as well. It didn't really make any sense, but yeah, continue. Yeah, <laughs> but it was kind of quite tense, but it then it nice just sequence. kept going. 
<laughs> and going. And, and, and you, like you've got the helicopter like blades just about slicing um, yeah, Monica, Isabella Skrupko for like, it felt like five minutes. Like it started <laughs> off, oh, this is quite tense, crikey. And then she, and just, she just lay keeps, there. She just keeps screaming. And she's like, ah, ah. Yeah, she and just lies she there forward. screaming. Okay, cut back. And then cut back to her. She's still lying there screaming. Cut to them trying to get out of the chopper. Cut back to her. Still lying there screaming. Oh, no, she's got up. And oh, the blades are like chasing her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was. I mean, the, the film is full of scenes like that. Um, so, I don't know. What can you do? <laughs> it feels it almost like a more, I don't know. <sighs> innocent sort of film yeah uh, I just you know Scott Scott Glenn has his backstory his wife ends up he, he reckons and he's proven right that Bill Paxton's uh, billionaire ends up being the reason why his wife was dead on the mountain we can yep. go in the, we don't need to go into the backstory of it but but the whole thing is that he's he's out to get his revenge which I, I'm like this is interesting this is a much more interesting story uh, and then when he does finally get to kill Bill Paxton it's kind of it's kind of lame like he just cuts a rope so it's like a callback to the start of the film, but but I really wanted to see Bill Paxton suffer at the hands of Scott Glenn. You know, we don't even get a shot of Bill Paxton's face as he falls into the darkness, going, "Oh no, I'm going to die!" Like it was just kind of like it was just a limp. It's I felt like it was a limp meh. ending. Yeah, yeah, and it was weird because because it all sort of ended limply, and then the end of the film, for some strange reason, you know, he Chris O'Donnell is placing these monuments on this pile oh, of yeah, things. Oh yeah, fallen. Monument to the, the Fallen or whatever. Yeah, but the final, like the final shot of the film, isn't like his dad or anyone that's connected to him. The final shot is like the Australian brothers. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Martin Campbell knew that they were everyone's favourite characters. It's <laughs> <laughs> really weird in in frame. I was like, why are we ending on that? And I was like, clap. Yeah, I clap. I like those guys too. But <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird thing. One thing I wanted to make a mention of is uh, the blood pack explosion, which is my favorite thing. Phenomenal. Film, is uh, what, the three that are trapped in the, in the ice uh, to Bill able Paxton to signal. kills one of them and then <laughs> drains their them. blood. He drains their blood in order basically to... Basically make a blood bomb. Yeah, so that they can, they can signal where they are. Like they put this blood bomb. I didn't quite know how they did it, but they, they shoved it up through a hole in the ice above their heads through and exploded it. And then... I think there was, so there was a flare like a or something. <laughs> I don't know. A big blood, bloody <laughs> patch on the snow, and then that helps Scott Glenn and um, helps Chris O'Donnell and 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 uh, his lady friend find them. Uh, and then they put the I didn't quite they put the nitro down and blow a gigantic fucking hole. Oh yeah, the- like <laughs> we've seen this nitro explode two times now, and they were. Big fuck off explosions, and he was pouring that nitro. And I was like, "Are you still going with that stuff?" <laughs> like the like the way that they have nitro explode in this film, I actually looked it up online to see if it was that volatile. So I'm probably on some sort of watch list somewhere now. Um, probably, yeah. And I imagine it was right. N- nitro is vol- vol- volatile, right? It's but- pretty volatile, but it also freezes at like. 13 degrees Celsius or something. Which is, so well, what, that's why it's in those thermal, thermal canisters. That's the reason why it's in those canisters. That so leak. basically carrying nitroglycerin around in a thermos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that, but that explosion is so big, and then we cut to the inside of the hole, and they're fired. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, no, no Robin. Yeah, they're just down there, and then they, then they bring them up, and that's kind of the end of the film. 
Well, uh, he tries to bring his sister up, and so because it's vertical limit, um, and they gotta take it to the limit, cut. she gets stuck because everything's gonna go wrong. Well, that's fine. That, that's this is like one of the ultimate expressions of coincidences can't happen for the good guy because then it looks lazy. Coincidences have to happen for the bad guy, or coincidences have to happen to stop the good guy. Yeah, but I, I, I would argue that that's a coincidence. I, I think that's just a trope where, like, at the last minute anything goes wrong. Like, they're counting down to the bomb, and he, oh, he's going to cut the green wire, but then he gets, I don't know, hit in the face by the bad guy, and he has to go back. It's just that sort of thing, right? It's not even that. It's not even as good as that. What you just, <laughs> just described is a better scenario. Because <laughs> it has an active <laughs> participant. It has two active participants. <laughs> this was a prone woman and a rock lead foot, f- foot stuck in the rock yeah yeah <sighs> yeah um also that that whole thing like the the fractured narrative and the unfocused like you know you follow these three characters and then monique like elizabeth isabella scorpico like after her partner dies in the first explosion like the avalanche uh she just finds chris and scott glenn and joins up with them she's like, like hey what's up guys and then <laughs> Yeah, the other guy blew up. Th- All right, bye. Cool. I thought Let's they were going. following three wildly divergent paths oh, up the just, mountain, but yeah, apparently and then not. she's a nurse that was studying to be a doctor, but then decided to come up to the mountains for a few years or something, and then got sick of it, and so she wants to go back to Paris. But oh, there's just too much stuff going on. I feel like there's too much stuff. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I felt like there's too many things. going on. No, there's on. too many things, and they're not explained enough. Yeah. There's no time. We sound like idiots. We just see there's too many things and they're not explained enough. <laughs> Look, We're just dumb. <laughs> We're obviously not smart enough to comprehend the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly to not. Comprehend the true vertical nature <laughs> of the narrative. Maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe that's it. The film is building a narrative that takes you past the vertical limit of human endurance. Sure, if that's what you want. Uh, I've in my notes I forgot to mention about the the brown face. There's one brown dude in this film, and that's uh, Roshan Seth, uh, who plays the Pakistani commander. I wanted to make mention of him because he was in the Amazing Gandhi. As um, wait, wait, wait. You mean uh, uh, is he Pakistani? He's an Indian actor. He's an Indian. Uh, and Pakistan, Pakistan, you see, part of India in 1947. So it's close enough. Um, so close. So close. I don't know whether Pakistan has many actors. I, please uh, correct me, people out there that might be listening, if Pakistan has a, an active film industry, they're exporting actors to act in Western films. But I don't think they do. Um, but he also not only did play uh, a key character in uh, 1982's Best Picture winner, Gandhi, uh, he also played uh, Dalsam in Street Fighter. <laughs> Just oh, saying. good. So at least this wasn't the only <laughs> terrible film he was in. <laughs> he was in, yeah. Um, would you... Uh, so I, I think we're wrapping up now, but would you oh, call wait. this film terrible? You just described it as terrible. Is it terrible? Terrible in a good way. <laughs> is it enjoyable to watch? It kind of is, because it is just so goofy. Yeah, like it is, it is goofy, Like it? it is. It's really goofy. Like, and I do feel it's kind of... It's very 2000s or very 90s almost. It's very 90s. Yeah, you know they don't. I feel like there's not a lot of big type films that are made with this kind of small of a scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's which it's, and I it's, kind of liked, and it was just like it was. 
Yeah, there's a lot that doesn't really work about the film, but it has a bunch of really cool explosions. It um, does. I feel like it didn't go far enough. Like, I'm like, oh, there's goofy stuff in here, but it's not goofy enough. Like, I think they still think they're making a serious be, drama. Yeah, oh, it, it could definitely be goofier. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it does get pretty goofy. I mean, yeah, we mentioned the, <laughs> the stock footage of the avalanche, it's, uh, which as I was but watching, I, I was like, that Jesus, this is Star Trek fucking original series level of here's a shot of an avalanche here's some people falling over <laughs> totally the same things <laughs> there was that one that sh- that first when the when the people get trapped in the mountain there's that that first avalanche that kills um ali and his mate his mate just goes flying before the snow even gets to him like that was that was a weird shot oh, i don't know <laughs> like but that's that. the only time you see the avalanche and the people interacting Every other thing oh. is like, oh, I can actually see the film scratches. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then people just vaguely falling over as the camera shakes a bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was too bad. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, I thought the snow stuff was all right. Uh, I, the thing that I, I had to go back and rewatch it, and, I, and it's not there. Uh, they never explain why they go get the nitro. There's there's a scene of them discussing. Oh, we'll never be able to find them. Blah blah. blah. And nobody says, well, because they, they can't. They don't have enough time to dig down. So they just I want know, to blow a big hole. But that's an assumption. Like the the scene preceding it is like, oh, we'll never find them. How can we dig in a big enough hole? And then it's like cut to that. So then we have to make the leap that like, oh, they don't Rajiv, have enough time Rajiv, to dig. No, you've gone past the vertical limit. <laughs> no, you can't. No my, no, my point is, can't understand is, it. My point is, oh, if they're they're down then yeah we got a giant big hole but the preceding conversation was there the area is too big to search so my my understanding was they're just going to blow the entire place up so that when when there's a giant crater when there's a giant crater then they'll be able to see where they are in the giant crater i don't know maybe maybe when they were (laughs) clicking on the morse code they were they were saying we're in an ice cave please bring (laughs) nitro who knows okay thanks bye who knows uh, yeah, I'm wrapped up. I don't have anything else to say about this goddamn film. <laughs> you, you are the reason we're watching this. Remember that, because you're, you're on a, you don't have access to certain films. So this is what we're doing. Yep. Hey, uh, and look, it's uh, enjoyable enough sort of film, and it is goofy and kind of um, endearing for that. But uh, I think I'd much rather watch a different Martin Campbell film. Casino yeah. Royale or Goldeneye, for example. Yeah, exactly. Those, his, yeah. Or Green Lantern, even. Um, no. No. <laughs> okay. All right, I think, I think we're good. Uh, Let's wrap that up. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts from you, Rajiv? No. Uh, I would recommend watching it. It's fun times. I wouldn't recommend ever seeing it in the cinema if they're doing, like, a <laughs> replay of anything. I mean, I mean, there's some big stuff in it. Uh, but it, it's silly enough and fun enough to watch. Three stars. <laughs> We're giving ratings now. I'll give it um, two and a half thumbs out of two and a half frostbitten thumbs. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. See you guys next week. So that's episode two wrapping up. Uh, we haven't decided what the next one's going to be, but uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rajiv Film R A J E E V F I L M, and I guess you can find me at Andy James underscore Inc. Uh, yes. Good. Okay. Until next week, guys. See ya. Goodbye. Bye.